you tie it. How about that? This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I never know what to do with myself when the Brewers have a day off, especially when they have a day off after a day game, right? They played yesterday afternoon. The the last time the Brewers played was right before we started yesterday's show. So I went home last night, didn't know what to do. A little bit like uh, Michael Sarah in Arrested Development when he puts his head down and uh, (laughs) he's got the sad Charlie Brown music playing. Didn't know what to do with myself. And tonight I'm going to go home. I'm going to have to deal with the same thing because the Brewers are off today before they start a weekend series against the Phillies. So I don't I don't know what to do with myself. I'm going to have to play some video games uh, or, or purposefully slam my toe in the door of my apartment. Like I'm going to have to do something to get my blood pressure up and get myself worked up tonight. I, I don't know what it's going to be. But God knows I just can't go home and relax. Maybe I'll just... Maybe I'll leave a little bit early so I can drive home in rush hour traffic. It's kind of the same experience as watching the Brewers. <laughs> you do a little bit of both. Just get in a mild fender bender, mess up my day, just to replace that weird negative energy I get from the Brewers. It's like an adrenaline. You know how adrenaline junkies, they chase the rush. They go skydiving. They go bungee jumping. I am a junkie of whatever the Brewers provide me. And I, I don't know other sources of that feeling, but I'm going to have to look into it because I, I miss the Brewers. They didn't play last night. They won't play tonight either. It's a bummer. I hate when the team is off. I don't know what to do with myself. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Tonight we talk football. We'll give the Brewers a break, at least for a little bit. The Brewers will probably come up at some point, but I want to talk plenty of Packers. Lots of NFL news, news of signings and, and potential trades and Oh, this player was named captain, and this player is upset with his contract, and just a lot of those types of stories this week. You know, that the Jonathan Taylor story earlier yesterday, uh, same kind of feel. Not really a, a very meaningful, impactful story, but very interesting, uh, and certainly is an interesting topic. So lots of stories like that this week. I want to talk about a couple of them to start the show, a couple of NFL-wide stories that I kind of circled and saved today as I was getting ready for the show. I want to break down two comments from Matt LaFleur from yesterday's presser. I listened to his presser today. There wasn't a whole lot there. I, I watched and listened to the whole thing. And I'm like, I don't even know what he said. I don't, what did, what did we even accomplish there? What did we even, <laughs> you ever watch an episode of TV, like in the background when you're doing something like maybe you're, you're making dinner, but you got the TV on in the background or you're cleaning and you got the TV on as background noise and you get to the end of an episode and you're like, what? happened i don't know that's how i felt after watching matt lafleur's press conference today except i was i was in i was 100 dedicated to watching it he didn't really say anything interesting but two comments from yesterday's presser that i want to get into i want to talk about because i i think they are important points of consideration for how we think about certain positions on the packers and and how we think about their process going into this year and throughout the season so a little bit of matt lafleur audio coming up uh, also, some wild Milwaukee Bucks takes getting thrown around. I don't know if we'll get to that tonight, uh, but that's on my list as well. Some crazy Bucks takes I saw this morning. People are people are going nuts. A lot of bad takes about lots of different things the last week or so. This has not been a great week for uh, for the take business. So maybe we'll get to some bad Bucks takes as well. Six zero eight 
321-1670 if you'd like to call or text the show. I would love to have you. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. That's my handle. So if you want to tweet me during the show or DM me or, you know, argue back and forth during Brewer games, uh, that's mostly what I use my Twitter for. So you can find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Okay. Over the last 48 hours or so, uh, some really interesting NFL headlines, interesting conversation, uh, like the Jonathan Taylor scoop. I mentioned that a couple minutes ago. Packers didn't actually acquire Jonathan Taylor, but it's fun to talk about. Right? It's fun to consider what a Jonathan Taylor trade would mean for the Packers, uh, what a Jonathan Taylor trade would mean for Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon. It's fun to think what a, what a Jonathan Taylor trade to the Packers would mean for the Colts, or what would that trade mean for Jonathan Taylor if all of a sudden Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay uh, call up Jonathan Taylor and his agent and said, hey, you've been traded to Green Bay. We wish you the best of luck. Uh, sorry that that we couldn't continue on as a partnership. Uh, best of luck. Like, what would that mean for Jonathan Taylor? What would that mean for his performance and for his role on the field in 2023, 2024? And what would it mean for his ability to get a contract moving forward? Like, all of those are fascinating points of conversation. And we talked about some of them yesterday, right? Most of the reaction I saw on Twitter yesterday, and maybe Twitter's not real life, but I'd like to think it's it's fairly representative of sports fans and sports media. All the reaction I saw on Twitter was negative. Right? When I saw the Packers had had made a call on Taylor, I said, oh, now that's interesting. Huh, I guess I never thought about that. What would that mean? What would that look like? How would that affect this person and that person and, and this team? That's that's where my mind went. You know me, I'm Mr. Optimistic. I'm I'm, I'm always looking for interesting, exciting things. I'm, I'm never looking to put anyone down. I go on Twitter and it's a bunch of national football people saying like, why would the Packers do this? They have all the money wrapped up in this running back and this running back and Jordan Love's about to get back. They need to pay Rashawn Gary. And why, why would they? I don't know. They just made a call. Isn't that serious? Don't get bent out of shape about it. Sports are fun. Have fun. Lighten up, Francis. Put down the spreadsheet. Stop thinking about running back money and, and salary cap and non-premium positions. Just, I don't know. Football's fun. Have fun with it. What would Jonathan Taylor on the Packers look like? What, what would that feel like? What would that mean for this guy, that guy, the other guy? And then Packers fans. Packers fans were all bent out of shape about it. At least a couple that I talked to. Got a call or two on the Bill Michaels show yesterday and today. Talked to plenty of people on, on the phone last night during the Wisco Sports Show. We always do. We have a, a very passionate base of callers, and I, I love that. Right, but what does that mean for A.J. Dillon? Uh, how, how does this make A.J. Dillon feel? I, I don't know. A.J. Dillon could use a little kick in the pants as far as I'm concerned. A little healthy competition. Or why not? So I, I, I don't know. The, the reaction to the Jonathan Taylor story was negative. Today, we get another NFL headline. The Vikings extend T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end that they acquired from Detroit last year. And I saw a lot of the reaction was negative. It's like, well, that's too much money. T.J. Hawkinson's not even one of the three best tight ends in football or one of the five best tight ends in football. Everyone's so negative, 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 negative. Looking to rip the Vikings for giving him this money, looking to rip Hawkinson for not being this good or that good. Oh, he's no Travis Kelsey. He's not even Darren Waller. Okay, we get it. You're all smarter than the Vikings. You're all better than T.J. Hawkinson. You all know better than Brian Gutekinds and Chris Ballard. It is always so negative. I thought the T.J. Hawkinson extension, I think it's a positive. It's a big positive for T.J. Hawkinson. Obviously, he and his camp played this perfectly. Got traded out of Detroit in the final year or so of his contract, knowing that whatever team acquired him for a second-round pick, like Minnesota did, 
would basically need to pay him or else they lose that asset for nothing. And, and you know, that pick that they traded was really for a rental, basically. So TJ Hawkinson's camp played this perfectly. They got good money. Tip of the cap to them. But the Vikings, I, I don't know. Everyone's looking to rip the Vikings today for giving premium tight end money to, you know, a guy who's not the best tight end in football. Okay. Um, he's no Travis Kelsey. He's no Mark Andrews. But if you watched Vikings games last year or you watch a lot of Vikings football, TJ Hawkinson plays such a nice role for the Vikings and a nice role for Kirk Cousins. Like Kirk Cousins needs a checkdown guy. And I, I know you obviously don't want to pay your checkdown guy $17, 18000000 million a year, but the Vikings were the one that traded for him in the first place. I thought it fit a need because Irv Smith never really turned into the guy that they, they thought the Vikings thought he was going to be. I think it makes a lot of sense. He is Cooper Cup, but in the form of a tight end. Oh, they're both white. That's no, that's not that's not what I meant. Although, I mean, they are both white. That's not wrong. Kirk Cousins is not uh Deshaun Jackson or Tyreek Hill or or even like think of Christian Watson. He's not some unbelievably fast, blow your doors off, big play 80-yard bomb receiver. He's precise. He's getting underneath, and he's finding the soft spot of the defense, and he's just putting up catch after catch after catch after catch. And all of a sudden, in the third quarter, you look up, oh, Cooper Cup, he's got eight catches for 120 yards and a touchdown without a 60-yard catch mixed in there or a 40-yard catch mixed in there. He's just, uh, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? He is a quantity machine, Cooper Cup. And I think of TJ Hawkinson similarly. When Justin Jefferson is double or triple teamed and when Adam Thielen couldn't get open and when Dalvin Cook's not running well, well, TJ Hawkinson's finding the other spaces. And he did such a good job of that for the Vikings last year. You just eat up catch after catch after catch after catch. You know, and the Vikings' biggest goal right now is to support Kirk Cousins and build an offense around Kirk Cousins that makes sense. I think Kevin O'Connell got off to a really good start doing that last year. And I'm not trying to be the the hype-up guy for the Vikings. I just think this signing makes a lot more sense than a lot of people were we're saying today. Justin Jefferson is the big play guy. The Vikings don't need TJ Hawkinson to be Travis Kelsey. They just need him to fill in the spaces and eat up all the other yards and all the other catches that Justin Jefferson isn't getting or that the running game isn't getting or KJ Osborne or Jordan Addison isn't getting. The two together, Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson, that's a nice combo. That's a nice fit. Hawkinson caters to the game manager side of Kirk Cousins. And Justin Jefferson plays into the shot-taking, push-the-ball-down-the-field side of Kirk Cousins. Right? I, I think Kirk Cousins uh, needs to keep that game manager side of him alive and well in his game. And I, I've been on this for the last couple of weeks. Being a game manager is not a bad thing. We, we need to stop using game manager as some dirty word uh, or, or as some indictment of a player, as a quarterback. It's not an indictment. There's levels to game managers, right? Tom Brady was a game manager in many instances in New England. Now, there were other games and there were other playoff runs where he did more. There were lots of playoff runs where he didn't do much at all because his defense was awesome and his running game was awesome. And it was just Tom Brady's job to make the easy throws, to not turn the ball over, to keep the offense chugging down the field. And he did that really really well Matt Ryan in 2016 a little bit of a game manager he just had the perfect offensive coordinator Julio Jones in his prime a very good running game right 
there are different types of game managers. And I think right now it's very in vogue in the NFL to be a game manager quarterback that runs a good offense, spreads the ball around, and mixes in shot plays, mixes in those special throws, and, and mixes in pushing the ball down the field. Kirk Cousins pushes the ball down the field with Justin Jefferson. He takes big swings with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson brings the danger to Kirk Cousins' passing game. TJ Hawkinson, just eat underneath. Just eat underneath. Do what Cooper Cup did for Matthew Stafford a lot of the time, especially in that record-setting year. Just be a quantity machine. Eat up all the scraps. Get all the easy yards. Keep that offense clicking. Keep Kirk Cousins' game manager switch kicked on in focus. And then every once in a while, Kirk Cousins mixes in those those big shots to Justin Jefferson, and he makes those big uh, game-defining plays. I think the pairing makes a lot of sense, and the Vikings, I'm very jealous of their offense. They have the best wide receiver in football. K.J. Osborne now assumedly slides into wide receiver two or stays as a very good wide receiver three. He probably should have been wide receiver two last year, except the Vikings, I think, were a a little slow to, to give up on Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen could be a good red zone threat a good third or fourth down guy, but they were trying to use him as a wide receiver too in, in first and second down settings. That's just not his game anymore. I think they would have been better served last year feeding KJ Osborne a lot more of those targets. This year, he will certainly get them one way or another. He will continue to get wide receiver three targets or if Jordan Addison is is off to a slow start as a rookie or takes some time to put it together, then KJ Osborne can slide in and be a, a wide receiver too. Then TJ Hawkinson at tight end. That's a really good group of skill position players. And Kirk Cousins can spread the ball around to him. Now against elite defenses when he's pressured and in big moments. Well, well, that's the question about Kirk Cousins. But let's be real. That's a question about a lot of quarterbacks. That's a question about Peyton Manning. That's been a question about Aaron Rodgers for a decade. We, We act like, well, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, they don't get it done in the playoffs. Most quarterbacks don't. Most quarterbacks don't. Most quarterbacks do start to struggle when they go up against defenses Uh, like San Francisco's or or like Philly's defense last year. Like most quarterbacks, when the pressure goes up and the competition goes up, they don't play as well. Tom Brady never really dropped off in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes isn't dropped off in the playoffs. Yeah, those might go down at the end of my lifetime or in, in 20 years as the two best quarterbacks to have ever played the game. No wonder Kirk Cousins isn't that guy. I don't know. I didn't want to start the show by defending Kirk Cousins. I just... You know, I, I'm I'm a little tired of our first reaction to everything being, that sucks. That's dumb. That team should not have done that. That player should not have done that. I don't know. There's lots of ways to skin a cat. There's lots of ways to build a football team. Vikings acquired TJ Hawkinson for a second-round pick. Keeping him around, I, I think he fits really well next to Justin Jefferson, and he fits really well with Kirk Cousins and brings out some of the better characteristics in Kirk Cousins. Did they pay him a lot of money? Yeah, you, you probably ideally would not like to make TJ Hawkinson the, the highest paid tight end in football, but it was his turn to get paid. And in a year or two, somebody else is going to be the highest paid wide receiver and, and highest paid tight end in football. That's just how it works. 608-321-1670. Talk NFC North, Vikings, Packers. I got a couple Matt LaFleur comments that I want to share with you coming up at 430. Uh, we'll get to some calls, some tweets at Wisco Grant. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. Stick around. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Wisco Sports Show. A little bit of a pregame show this evening because Temple and Heilprin coming up at 6 o'clock. Live at Monks in Sun Prairie. So if you're tooling around Madison, you're, you're getting ready to leave work, stop by Monks tonight for the live show. I think I'm going to stop by. Uh, no offense to Jack, uh, Zach and Jesse. I will stop by because it's about five minutes from my my apartment. And uh, I don't have any food at home. So I I might I might get two birds stoned at once. I might go show my face at the uh, at the live show and also get some dinner to take home with me so that's my plan for night they're coming up at six i am hoping to maybe hear from zach and jesse a little bit uh i want to know if they are uh, previewing the graham mertz experience which begins tonight florida and utah the gators and the utes and that'll be graham mertz's debut with the gators so i, I know we, we might have to talk about that at some point tonight i'll have to get zach's take on that perhaps if we're able to connect right before six o'clock before we turn things over to those two Talking a little bit about the Vikings. They extended TJ Hawkinson earlier today. I just think they have a really, really, really nice group of weapons. And when we're talking to uh, to guests and when we're going back and forth with calls, I, I keep, you know, saying it's the Vikings division to lose. Now, two weeks into the season, I might tell you, okay, it's no longer that way. Maybe I've seen something. I've seen something with the Vikings or the Packers. Seen something from another team to make me change that take. But they won 13 games last year. I know there was a little one-score luck, but... I think they have the best quarterback in the division, the most proven quarterback, Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, TJ Hawkinson, and they drafted Jordan Addison this year too. That's just, I'm going to bet on that group. If I have to bet anyone on the NFC North right now, I could change a month into the season, but right now I don't know how you pick against an offense that the, that has those pieces, a head coach that should, I think make a jump in year two after being a rookie head coach last year. That was the news of the day. TJ Hawkinson signing a big extension. 608. 321-1670, couple calls to get to before we hear a little bit from Matt LaFleur coming up at 435. Let's start with what I assume is Cone Roller. Cone, good evening. How are you? Grant, hey, uh, Monks, great, great spot. You're in for a treat. You like Monks? I've never been there. It's out in yeah. Sun Prairie. I've driven by it. Uh, the, the big Cabela's is right there. I have to go uh, get fishing things occasionally from that store, so I know exactly where it is. Yeah, what's well, not to like... Cold beer, TVs, great food. Badger football talk. Oh, my favorite things. Yeah, and to talk about your the weapons, I, I agree with you with the Vikings kind of being the most established because obviously the Packers' weapons are still very young and unproven, and I've kind of been beating that drum all year. And now it sounds like Romeo Dobbs could be missing the first week of the season with a hamstring injury. So. Yeah. I'm, that just sucks because these guys have already been injured in, throughout their rookie year. Big things expected from them this year, and they're already Dobbs is already starting off with a bad hammy. Yeah, and Christian Watson was banged up as well. I just want to see Watson and Dobbs healthy, building experience with love, building you know NFL game experience week to week. And now maybe we get Mike Clemens guy, Malik Heath a little bit. Maybe he gets some run in, in week one. Uh, and I'm interested to see, you know, can Jordan Love pick up chemistry and build chemistry with some of these younger guys, Dontavian Wicks, who didn't practice today as well, or Heath or whoever it is they throw out there? I'm very interested because with Rodgers, it was always a little bit of a process. It seemed like they needed to build chemistry and get to know each other a little bit. And I, I wonder if Love is similar or if he can pick it up quicker with new guys or maybe it takes him longer. I'm just excited to see how that dynamic works. Yeah, I think it might be a little easier to slot in new guys with Jordan Love than Rodgers just because I think they're going to be running more of a system offense. Yeah. And 
no offense to Jordan Love, but, you know, he might really be just a system quarterback this year. Yeah, system guy, game manager. I mean, think of it this way. Young young guys in college, you know how easy it is to make friends? You know, you bump into a guy at a house party. You're like, oh, I like your Packers shirt. What do you think of the team? And then all of a sudden you're, you're like naming old Packers players from 10 years ago, and then all of a sudden two guys are, are great buddies. It's very easy to, to make friends in college. You get a little older, you know, you have your group. You're more tight-knit, a little more reserved. I feel like that's what happens to quarterbacks as well. So hopefully Jordan Love is in that college house party phase as a teammate, and it you can just pick it up with guys, you know? Absolutely. Look look no further than Matt Stafford right now. Yeah. I, I feel a little bit for Matt Stafford because a, a lot of the veterans that were on that Super Bowl team have been traded. Some of the guys are still there, but and he's dealing with a bunch of kids. I, I don't know. Being a 35-plus-year-old quarterback's got to be weird. You're, you're a victim of your own success because you're in the league forever, and as you get older, your teammates keep getting younger and things keep changing, and I, I don't know. Maybe we weren't sympathetic enough to Rodgers with that as that happened to him in Green Bay. Yeah, and I mean it's kind of it's kind of what you'd expect with LA. You know, they they really did go all in for that Super Bowl and now they just kind of have a skeleton crew over there now which, you know, should have been seen coming if you're an LA Rams fan. Yeah, I mean all six or seven Rams fans that were at the parade and to celebrate the, yeah. the Super Bowl, yeah. All all, all does I, I heard you mention Graham Mertz, and that, that brings me to the topic of Florida football. Did you happen to watch any of that uh, new Netflix documentary on Florida football? The Swamp Kings? Is that what that was called? Yes. It's, it's a mix, I mean, of some of the best reality TV. It's a, it's a mix of Tiger King and Swamp People. Both are excellent series. I've not seen it. I'm not a big sports documentary guy. I'm either watching sports or I want to watch something that has nothing to do with sports. But have you seen it? Is it good? I watched the first two episodes and had to turn it off and never watch it again. The way they reported on that story is completely false. 31 players from that roster got arrested, and they didn't interview a single one. It was the biggest Urban Meyer puff piece I've ever seen. We think Aaron Rodgers has final say on Hard Knocks. Urban Meyer film wrote, directed that whole documentary. He comes out smelling like an absolute rose. It was a bunch of malarkey. Like Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting, starred in it, wrote the story, wrote the lines. That was Matt Damon, right? Goodwill Hunting, I think. Yeah, I think I'm remembering yeah, that I correctly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got it right. Well, I did see tweets where it's like, well, they didn't cover the the Aaron Hernandez murders at all, and I'm like, I'm not watching this, but that seems like that's an important part of the story that maybe they should should look into. So I, I I'm glad to see that that you're holding them accountable. Yeah, and I. I I don't know if they, I only watched the first two episodes, so I don't know, but not even a peep about uh, Cam Newton stealing laptops and <laughs> Tim Tebow's backup. Nothing about that Damn either. Uh, well, if you do watch the other episodes, get back to us. Let us know how it is. I'm going to let you go, Cohen. <laughs> I will not be watching it, but yeah, have a good one, Grant. Happy Thursday. And I don't know. Let's go pack, I guess. Let's go Three. Packers. Let's go Romeo Dubs. Dobbs. Let's get healthy. Let's stretch out that hamstring. Appreciate you, Cohen. Uh, Cam Newton stealing laptops. That's uh, that's why people are tuning into the Swamp Kings documentary. Swamp People, good show. Got a little repetitive. You know, boat out into the bayou. Oh, there's a, there's a gator on the line. Shoot the gator. Bring it back in. I mean, it was it was pretty repetitive. People aren't crashing and and you know getting stranded at sea. 
in in Swamp People. That's why Deadliest Catch is the superior show of, of those two, if you ask me, and I think others. Eric on I-90, I'm sure, would, would chime in and have an opinion on that. 608-321-1670. Let's take another call. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, Grant. Clemhead Mike here. Clemhead Mike, Cone, and Clemhead Mike back-to-back. That's just a, an outstanding one-two punch. I mean, you could hit three and four in a lineup, Mike, truly. Yeah, we haven't even, we haven't even uh, discussed it, but somehow we get one and two just about every day. Um, I, I beat him to the punch a couple times, but, uh, yeah, I don't mind following him up. That's a tough call to follow, though. Um, yeah, I was uh, – I, don't, I know we discussed uh, Nick Wright, our favorite anatomically uh, modern human. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, first things first, but okay, we talked about how he, he picks the Jets to, to number four in the division. Yeah. He's got the Packers, in the NFC North Packers first, Lions second, Vikings third, and Bears fourth. He's got some good arguments for it, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think I don't think that. Uh, Chris Broussard on the same show as uh, Lions first and Packers second, but making the playoffs. I think they're both a little optimistic on that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm pretty pumped this season. It's, it's going to be a fun season. I don't think the Packers are going to get in the playoffs, but as long as they see uh, improvement and consistency, we've talked about this before. But uh, you know, you know, everybody's missing the bright side on the T.J. Hawkinson signing. Oh. Any money you can tie up in one player is just more money they can't spend on other players. So sure. that's a good thing. That's what the that, – that's, oh, I'm sorry. That would be um, – um, oh, shoot, quarterback. I See, I'm an old man. Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Kirk yeah. Cousins. That was the, when they tied up all the money in him. That hurt him. I mean, that's, that's a good well, thing. I, I think it's With it's – it's interesting. Eric Eager was mentioning this on Twitter today. I'm not trying to be like an anti-Vikings stir up drama guy. I think it is interesting. They extended Hawkinson before Jefferson. I know the contracts are a little bit different, but yeah. I feel like that guy should maybe get priority. Yeah. I can't wait till he gets 50, you know, Jefferson gets 50 million a year and then they got to let a bunch of guys go. I hate the Vikings. So whatever they do to screw things up is fine with me. Oh, amen. So, yeah. Um, I agree. Oh, I got to tell you a quick story. I, got, I did something I really was embarrassed Saturday. Oh, no. Uh, my wife and I drove by. There's a mu- music festival in Chippewa Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I, we quick went home, dumped off our groceries, and came back. And, well, it's, it's nice. I mean, it's for building these little houses for – they built these little tiny houses for homeless people and stuff. And yeah. so we bought some food. You know, all the money went to charity. I mean, we, do- we donated some cash. and boy. It was a Christian thing. And um, – Christian music and the local Christian station was there, and I and I have a lot of novelty T-shirts. I have one that says it's got a picture of Sasquatch in the front, it says World Hide and Seek Champion, and you know, I got stuff like that. And I was I was wearing my Fan Creek Brewery shirt on the back. It says the liver is evil; it must be punished. Support your local brewery. I said, Oh my God, I am such a tool. <laughs> at a church uh, festival? Not at a church fall festival, Mike. Oh God, I, was, I could just imagine people making a sign across as I walked by. I said, Oh no. Pray for Mike. Pray for Clemhead Mike. That's what they were all thinking. (laughs) Who is this old fart? (laughs) Pray for us now and at the hour of our death. And also pray for Clemhead Mike in Chippewa Falls. Punishing his liver. That's funny. Hey, now that we're talking about that, are you going to have a funeral this year if the brewers blow it? Um, I don't know. Oh, well, geez. If they blow it and manage to not make the playoffs, maybe. Yeah, we'll have to do that to... 
entertain ourselves and keep ourselves from crying. I wasn't planning on it, but uh, you know, we I can do that. You did that before. That was awesome. That was one of the best things I ever heard on the radio. I should just on the radio since the early sixties. So. I should just replay that. I should play that back. You the should. next time I take a day off, I'm going to stick that in a best of. People forget oh. about the the Catholic funeral we held for the Brewers last year. Oh. I've been to I've been to a lot of Catholic funerals and that was just awesome. It was right on the nose. It's the same songs. It's the same readings. One of the best the... things I've ever heard. <laughs> Appreciate you, Mike. Hey, if you go to another church yeah. festival, just just wear a nice polo, okay? Oh, I, I have I have a Team Jesus T-shirt. I've worn that too. And, there you uh, go. I can wear that. <laughs> that's perfect. Make sure make sure that's clean for the occasion next time. Appreciate Appreciate you, Mike. You too, Grant. Yeah, have a good Bye. one. Clem had Mike. He resides in Chippewa Falls. Find him at your local church fall festival. Uh, play the Botto Lotto next time, Mike. Maybe you win some kind of, maybe there's a silent auction. Love a good silent auction and a church gym. Uh, we're talking little NFC North. Mike mentioned the, the predictions on First Things First. I do watch that show every day, and I was watching their NFC North predictions yesterday. Uh, Nick Wright did have it going, I think, what, Packers, Lions, Vikings, Bears. I could see it going that order. I could also see it the complete opposite. If it was Bears, uh, Vikings, Lions, Packers. I could see that as well. I think no matter your prediction and no matter the way you would predict the the division to align this year, I think we could all agree that first and last is probably going to be separated by five games tops. Like I think the team that wins this division, unless the Lions truly are the team that everyone's talking about, the winner of this division wins 10, maybe 11 games. And I think the loser of this division loses six, maybe five if something goes really south. But I, I don't think there's going to be wide separation between first and last. And and specifically, you know, first, second, third, I, they're all going to be bunched up. So you could tell me any order, uh, and I would be like, okay, yeah, I, I could see that happening as long as first place, last place, only defined and, and, and separated by four or five games. I think it's going to be really close. Very tight division. One more call, and then we'll take a break. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Hey, it's Uncle Packer just calling in. Uncle um, Packer, an- another Mike from the Chippewa Valley. What's going on, Mike? Uh, must be something about us guys wearing shirts where we shouldn't. <laughs> I was at my daughter's volleyball game with a shirt on that said to-do list, and it was your mom, and your mom was crossed out. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't probably should be wearing that kind of stuff. But I'm calling more about the Vikings side in T.J. Hawkinson. I think it's it's really weird that you would take a player like that, let him get his rookie years where he's playing under a, you know, a rookie deal and then go to another team and then sign him to a big contract. It doesn't make sense because all the, all the cheap stuff was taken by the, by the lions. And then he comes to the Vikings for a, a part of a year. And then you give him a big contract. And I don't think he's all that. No. You know, I think he's a pretty good tight end, but I don't see him being that. I'm happy that they're wasting their money. Don't you see that's a little bit of a waste of money to not draft a player to give a big contract? Or well, am I wrong thinking that? Well, see, that's the thing. And I, I, I saw that criticism of the Vikings today. It's like, well, they gave up a second-round pick to get Hawkinson in a year where the draft was full of tight ends. Like, the Packers got Luke Musgrave in the second round and Tucker Kraft shortly thereafter and Kincaid and Mayer and Washington and Laporta. All these guys went in the second round. Um, but I don't know. The Vikings were all in. They were trying to win last year. I don't. I don't fault them for getting a good tight end. I know the the yeah, money seems like a lot, that. but I didn't think that. You know, I didn't think about last year them being all in. But you know, the Vikings. Thankfully, they're the Vikings. But, but they've done. You know, if you think about, it, you know, the, one of the worst trades is the Herschel Walker trade. Well, that's the Vikings. They're the ones that got the had had the loss for that. You know, so I'm glad they do stupid things. 
But I really think this was a the highest paid contract for a tight end. And and then they still got Jefferson. I hope they don't find Jefferson. <laughs> that would be great. Well that would be wonderful for us. It is it is a little odd. Um that that wide receiver class is coming up on needing a contract. So like T. Higgins in Cincinnati is coming up on a deal, right? He was that that twenty twenty draft. But Jefferson I don't know if it's I think it's three years. If you if you come into the league and you are unbelievable for your first three years, you typically get your extension. Right. You, you, that's kind of the, the time window. So Jefferson is there. And I again, I don't think there's any drama. I'm not trying to say that the Vikings are botching anything with Justin Jefferson. I'm just saying it's curious that they extended Hawkinson first. That's all. Yeah, I think I feel so, too. And and wide receivers are predominantly like old prima donnas. You know, I mean, they're the ones that will sit out. They want their money right away. And Jefferson is, has done some things that where he's up there with Randy Moss and, and some great players. If you think about what he's produced so far, he'll be a big ticket item. He's going he's to take a lot of money. He's going to want the most of any receiver in the league. So I, I'm just interested to see how that turns out. And and I am over-optimistic. I think life's too short not to be optimistic. And I saw that where the, the – I saw one where the Packers were the bottom of the NFC North, and I see one where they were top. So it's, it's kind of wide open depending on where you think. But I hope we're the top of the North. I just, just hope we're the top of the North this year. I mean, I, so. I know that you never care about who's winning the North, but I do. I like beating Chicago, Minnesota, and Detroit. I love that. That makes me happy. Those are four games or eight games every year. I'm all excited for it. So I like to see Jake the North. Hell yeah. Uncle Packer, before I let you go, you got any plans for the long Labor Day weekend? Yeah, I got a family union up on a lake up north with a, with a whole mess of rednecks like me. We're Where, where's up north? Got to know where up north um, is now. Up, up around New Auburn. Oh, gotcha. We'll New Auburn. Okay. Do the old, yeah, Knob Town up there. Yep. Uh, we'll uh, sacrifice a local virgin, just get wild as we always do up there. It's a lot of fun. Um, I just tease it. No idea. <laughs> I should stay on so long. I say stupid stuff. Anyway, I appreciate no, you okay. very much. Yeah, you as well. I know well, you're man. up against the break. You have a woefully, day, woefully late for break. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Yeah. Yep. yeah, have fun at that family reunion. We used to play bingo at my family reunion. I've been in a couple of summers. Get the family together, get those bingo cards passed out, maybe a little white elephant. Nothing like an up north, especially an up north Wisconsin family reunion. Five minutes, we'll come back. A little bit of uh, commentary from Matt LaFleur. Two things that I circled from his press conference yesterday I want to talk about. Next, Wisco Sports Show, back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. Some great contributions from some of our regular callers. Mike and Chippewa Falls. Mike and Eau Claire, a.k.a. Uncle Packer, who's headed up to Nauburn for a family reunion this weekend. Uh, Eric and Eau Claire did, did have a good text and he said, that is not up north, it's south of Highway 8. I understand, but he's, he's heading up north. He's heading in the northerly direction. Uh, Mike knows. Uncle Packer knows. Spent a lot of time this summer up fishing in the Chippewa Flowage. Got some nice stories from him. Got a good call from Cone Roller as well, talking a little bit about the NFC North power dynamics. Right? Who, who would we pick to win the division? Who do we think is the best in the division? I just think that until I see Detroit show that they have grown up and matured and become a real legit NFL team and not just a, a, a promise-filled 
uh, hype team, then I'm going to buy into the Vikings. Until the Bears shown, until Justin Fields has shown, they're ready to take a step and play winning football. Okay, well, I'm going to bet on the Vikings. And until I see Jordan Love playing an NFL game in the regular season and look very good and, and look comfortable and, and, and get me to buy into it as a real thing. Okay, until any of that happens, the Vikings got Kirk Cousins. They got Justin Jefferson. They just tied up TJ Hawkinson today. And between KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison, they should have great depth at wide receiver. I, I'm going with that. I'm going with that team. Now, I think if the Vikings win the division, it'll be 10 and 7, 11 and 6 at the best. I think 11 and 6 is the ceiling for the winner of the NFC North. And I think the, the worst team, six wins. If something goes really wrong, five. But I don't think the first and the last place team in the NFC North going to be separated by much more than four or five games. I got a clip from Matt LaFleur that I want to play here in a second, uh, talking about Rashawn Gary's situation and also talking about his coaching style. A couple of interesting comments that I circled from yesterday's press conference. But first, let's take a call. I don't want to make you sit on hold forever. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Mike in Windsor. Mike in Windsor. Mike, good evening. How are you? Oh, and Mike, you should totally go to Sun Prairie tonight. Stop by Monks. That's over on, on your side of town, right? Go see Temple and Heilbrunn. I would. I honestly thought about it big time, but I am planning. I'm going on a trip to Northern Michigan this weekend. Ooh. Um, yeah. That's okay. You you got things so. to take care of. It's a long season. We'll have plenty of opportunities to get to Monks. I'll be there. I'll be there for sure. I, I And Jesse Temple's there, so, I mean, yeah, I definitely want to go and uh, kind of pick apart his brain a little bit. Um, so, I don't know how freaking excited you are, Grant, but I mm-hmm. am so jacked for college football to start this weekend. It starts tonight. Uh, what do you mean this weekend? We well, got Graham Mertz playing football on television tonight. We do. Not that I'm going to pay more attention to Nebraska-Minnesota tonight. Um so, but I, but I will watch Mertz's highlights a little bit, I guess. Yeah, let's see if he's taking any steps. I saw some tweets of support from uh, former Badgers or current Badgers. It seems like the vibes are all good there. We're all pulling for him. We want to see the kid do well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he definitely has my support. He just doesn't have my interest. Um, you know, so my interest is more lying in the Big Ten. And uh, as much as I don't like Nebraska, I would really like them like to see them beat minnesota so nebraska might be uh, a volleyball school i mean volleyball might have taken over football at that program down in lincoln don't you think yeah yeah they played memorial stadium last night you see that yeah that was pretty cool that was a cool scene what did they say Ninety thousand people there yeah it was pretty insane i I can't lie I, i watched a little bit of it um and i didn't actually catch any of the badgers volleyball game but uh i think that they won i don't know i i i'd have to look back at that um but, yeah, I'm just jacked for college football. It's, it's going to be a great season. Uh, Badgers, I don't think they'll have any problem against Buffalo. I don't have very high hopes for Buffalo's defense. Um, and I'm higher on the Badgers' defense this year than I am their offense, so I think that they'll take care of business. I think so, too. If you had to pick a team to win the NFC North right now, where would you put your money? What was your gut tell you? Um, that's a really hard question. It is. Um, so... It's, it's, uh, Uh-oh. Ah, we're losing Mike. Mike, I think I gotta let you go. I think you're driving into a dead spot. Hey, tweet me. If you can hear me, or you can hear this on your radio, tweet me your answer. Because I, I, I do genuinely want to hear what you think. I think you're driving into a bit of a dead zone. Are you over there by, uh, by DeForest, by Dane, on your side of town, Mike? 
Drive safe. <laughs> I appreciate the call. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a slam dunk candidate to run away with the North. I think everyone has a little bit of a different gut feeling. I think first place and last place separated by all of four or five games at the top. Matt LaFleur said this yesterday, talking about Rashawn Gary, his progress, and his plans to start the year. Uh, I want to talk about this. I think this is important. Here's Matt LaFleur. We'll put him on a pitch count. I mean, we're going to be smart with him, knowing that this is a marathon and, you know, working with our athletic training staff in terms of just how much volume we want to give him. But he's another guy that attacks it the same way every day, and he's going to go 100 miles an hour, and sometimes we have to pull him back because he's going to keep going. Put him on a pitch count. I know Brewers, Packers fans are punching air right now. We're so close to being rid of Craig Council for the year, maybe forever if he steps down as Brewers manager. Pulls pitchers too early. Got these guys in a pitch count. Now we got to hear from we got to hear from Matt Lafleur. So I, I would like to know more exactly what he means by pitch count. Does that mean like the first two weeks of the season we're going to let him play eighty percent of the snaps, or is this like a fifty fifty proposition through the middle of the year? Right? How significant truly is this? If Rashawn Gary's on a pitch count, that's going to leave the door wide open for Enigbare or Lucas Van Ness or someone like uh, like Brenton Cox, some of these players that'll be up around the defensive front. The door is going to be open for one of these other players, younger players, uh, depth players, to make some plays. Like, they're going to have opportunities. And I'm fascinated to see who that could be. If Rashawn Gary's only playing 50% of the snaps week one, does that mean Lucas Van Ness gets to, gets to rush it and rip it and, and get out there and try? And see what he's made of. Do they go with Cox? Do they go with Enigbari? Probably Enigbari because he's the most seasoned one. But maybe this is a great opportunity for Joe Barry to, to script some hyper-specific things for Lucas Van Ness. Because he's going to take some time to develop, 100%. But, you know, and this is what I keep saying about Jaden Reed. If you want a rookie to be productive and to be useful in year one, you got to shrink their role. Don't turn them into a specialist, necessarily, but shrink their role. Give them one, two, three tasks that are very specific, that are very limited, that they can really sink their teeth into and apply. Like if Jaden Reed is the slot receiver who does some backfield motion stuff, great. That's his baby. The slot is his. The backfield motion stuff, pre-snap motion stuff, that's his. He can focus on that, and he can focus on knocking that out of the park. That's a great way for Jaden Reed to participate and to be impactful, even in a limited role, but to be impactful in year one. Maybe that means Lucas Van Ness is given a specific role to play and in a specific uh, specific spot to line up so when Rashawn Gary's off the field for rest or for precautionary reasons a pitch count it's Matt LaFleur said all right now we're going to put Lucas Van Ness in there and we're going to line up this way to give Lucas Van Ness this one specific task to do this one thing and maybe that's an opportunity for Van Ness to participate and to produce in year one or maybe Enigbare my fear is Rashawn Gary comes off the field and Joe Barry runs on a replacement, and they don't change anything. You just go be Rashawn Gary. Well, <laughs> they're not Rashawn Gary, though. That's the thing. So I'm interested to see early on in the season when Rashawn Gary is not 100% available, you know, how do they work in some of these other guys, and do they get a little creative trying to set these guys up to succeed? That's the name of the game. As a coach, you are trying to create situations and create looks and to create scenarios to, to best help your guys play to their strengths. You want to put them in a position to succeed. And if they're just running a bland defense, Rashawn Gary comes off the field. All right, Enigbari, go out there, be Rashawn Gary. That'd be a little disappointing. I want to see a little bit more ingenuity, a little bit more creativity from Joe Barry and his staff in year 
was this year three, year four? They all start to run together. Let's take one final three-minute break for the hour, come back, wrap up the first hour, talk a little bit more Packers on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We only have about two minutes here before we got to take a break. Get an update from Zach Heilprin, who will be taking over at 6 o'clock. Temple and Heilprin. Badger football season is back. They'll be live at Monk's. I'm going to drive over there after the show. Well, to be more specific, I'm going to drive home. Monk's is like five minutes away from my apartment, and I don't have any food at my apartment. So I can go listen to some great Badgers talk from Zach and Jesse. Uh, and also, as, as an effect... As a, as a side bonus, I can force Zach to hang out with me outside of work, which is the only thing I've ever wanted to do in my life is be friends with Zach. So <laughs> I'm going to take care of that as well. And I'm going to get some food because I don't have any food at my house. So I'm headed there after uh, after the show tonight. You should head there right at six. Catch Temple in Heilprin or just keep listening. I'll do the trick too. A little bit of news from uh, not Diana Rossini, but Josina Anderson. Excuse me. Uh, that the Dolphins and the Packers were both willing to give running back Jonathan Taylor a contract that placed him among the highest paid running backs in the NFL entering this season per source. Interesting. Now, I don't necessarily think that whatever team acquires Jonathan Taylor, I don't think that team necessarily needs to pay him to get him to play this year. I think Jonathan Taylor has the plums and the leverage to demand a trade and to get out of Indy. I don't know if he then has the leverage to get to his new team and say, well, if you don't give me an extension, I'm not playing. It's like, what do you mean? You wanted a trade. You got a trade. You know, you are a football player. Play football. Right? So I thought there was a world in which the Packers or the Dolphins could maybe try to rent Jonathan Taylor for a year, but it sounds like they were willing to pony up and pay. So we can talk about what that means coming up in two minutes after this update. I see we got some callers on hold. I promise I will get to you on the other side of this break. Not going to make you wait, but I don't want to take the call before and then have to cut you off right at 5 o'clock. That's lame. No one wants that. So two minutes, we'll come back with more calls and talk more about this Jonathan Taylor story. Wisco Sports Show, two minutes. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. There's been some front office shuffling in Major League Baseball this week. A, a big shakeup in the Mets front office today. Player development and, and and farm system development and a lot of names being let go I saw today. I was talking about with Bill earlier today on the afternoon show that clearing the runway for David Stearns, question mark, who knows? The White Sox also announced that they're going to promote internally, which is abundantly obvious to everyone that that's a terrible idea, except for Jerry Reinsdorf, who I just don't think really gets it. I just saw this quote from 670, the score, which is the radio home of the Cubs. Uh, big sports talk in uh, in Chicago. Great station. This is the headline. Jerry Reinsdorf, quote, I am so sick and tired of reading that bringing back Tony La Russa was a mistake. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you, Jerry. 
I'd be sick and tired of reading it too. I'm sure people are tired of writing it, and I know fans are tired of, of thinking about it, but it was a mistake. I'm so sick and tired of reading. I'm trying to think of a good comp for that, and I just can't. Oh, my God. I'm so sick and tired of reading that bringing back Tony Larissa was a mistake. Well, it was, Greg, to quote Tom from Succession. Tom, you're on speakerphone. Well, I shouldn't be, Greg. Which I think, looking back at that series, maybe one of the funniest lines. I need to go back and rewatch some of that show. I've been back on HBO. I've been rewatching Veep. You know, in, in mixing it in is a little refresher when I'm not watching Suits. Um, I saw yesterday that Warner Bros. Discovery is going to test out CNN news push alerts or push notifications uh, that will interrupt people while watching shows on HBO or, or Max, as they call it now. That'll that'll go over like a fart in church. That'll go over like like. Tony LaRusso coming back to the White Sox. That'll be about the same. Rich people, just they love making mistakes. They do. This is the Wisco Sports Show. We're less than an hour away now from Temple and Heilprin, the maiden voyage of the 2023 season. We're just a couple hours away from Graham Mertz taking the field for the Gators against the Utes tonight. So if you're like uh, Mike in Windsor, who called us earlier before his phone connection dropped off, sorry, Mike. Uh, if you're like Mike in Windsor, you're amped for college football. We have some college football on tonight, and it's perfect because the Brewers aren't here to distract us. If you really want to go all in on college football, you can do so tonight and start by showing up for Temple and Heilprin at Monks out in Sun Prairie or at the very least listening, uh, and then plenty of actual real college football on our TV, Minnesota, Nebraska tonight as well. So a lot to look forward to this evening uh, when we all get home from work. Denny and Holman has been waiting so patiently. Denny, I appreciate it. 608-321-1670. Welcome in. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking my call, Grant. Yeah, of course. Thanks for waiting. Sorry to make you wait through uh, Zach's update. No problem. Hey, I just wanted to give our uh, UW women's uh, volleyball a shout-out for number one ranking that they have this year so far. Even though last night they, Arkansas, they played them three to two, they won. But, you know, it's still they're they're ranked number one, and that's just awesome for the – for the whole UW, I think, and I think they get overlooked a lot. How good that volleyball team is and stuff, you know, with the basketball and football and everything. And I just wanted to give them a shout out for that. Well, I'm glad you did, Denny. And it's funny because we all hear about them, and we all, oops, we all hear that they're uh, that you know they're winning games and winning matches, and they're highly ranked. But th- like then I talk to my parents. My parents watch like most of their games. Like they make a point to sit down and watch the game. I think a lot of people watch Badgers volleyball and, and we don't necessarily know it. I remember being in a bar uh, last winter watching in lacrosse Badgers volleyball versus Pitt, and it was a match that they lost. And everyone in the bar was really into it. Like people watch this team. It's really fun. It's really entertaining. It is. It is. I wanted to get your take too on. Uh, so, what did you think of uh, the Packers keeping the call on? Uh, on the you know practice squad and stuff, did that surprise you or not? Did you say keeping the cow? Yeah, the the uh, quarterback. You know. Oh, Magoo. Uh, okay, so I I actually love how the Packers went about rebuilding their quarterback room this year. They drafted a, a rookie that they like, and then they went and plucked someone from the USFL who's played a lot of meaningful football. Um, yep. he's never really going to see any time that's meaningful. Um, it's funny. We always think that these players are going to get nabbed up by other teams and they almost never do like hundreds of players are released. And then, you know, a couple of dozen players might have claims placed on them. That's about it. So we're always scared that we're going to lose these guys. We never do. 
That exactly, but you know, like I said, I just got a feeling that there's going to be quarterback rotation this year. I don't know if Jordan will get hurt or the backup will get hurt, you know, but I, I just got a feeling that something's going to happen with that, and that's the reason that they kept him. Yeah, I guess you never know. I mean, ideally, they don't play Sean Clifford at all this year, and they don't play uh, right. They don't play right. any of these you guys other than Jordan Love. Right, you hope Jordan doesn't get hurt, but, you know, what I'm saying, I mean, you, you never know, you know. You never do. And I just thought it was interesting that they kept him. Plus, the, a lot of the other guys that they kept on there, I thought were good players, too. You know, Wilson and uh, that uh, Sapp, I thought was a good you know, backup and stuff, and yeah. I think that they got a. I think they got a, a decent uh, backup waiting. Well, I I like how the Packers have handled their practice squad. The Packers squad or the practice squad, same thing. It's meant to be developmental, you know, Denny. So right. I like that some players like Innis Gaines has been around here. I feel like we kind of know what we have. Like some of these players, uh, Shamar Jean Charles, a player's been around here. Right. Let's take flyers yep. on younger players who we think can develop and maybe turn into something. That's what the practice squad's for. Right, right. Oh, Denny, what so, are we going to do? And what did you think? I bet George uh, Webb had a sigh of relief when the Brewers lost. <laughs> Probably saved him a lot of money and, and giving out free burgers. I was going to drive to Milwaukee with a cooler. Me, me and Corey and Marshall, we made a plan. Last time it happened, there was 90,000, over 90,000 burgers gave out. Well, I guess if they only have to do it every 40 years or so, it's pretty good PR. It probably pays for itself in the long run. Here we are talking about George Webb. You know what I mean? They're not buying advertisements on the show, Denny, but here here we are talking about him. So I guess it's working out I for know. him. I hear you. Well, you're having a great show as always, so you have a great night. Thank you. You as well, and Denny. Go Badgers. Go Badgers. Darn right. Go Badgers volleyball, Denny. I appreciate you bringing them up. A lot of people watch. Like, my parents don't miss a Badger volleyball game, especially late in the season. I'll talk to my mom. Oh, yeah, we were watching the game the other night. They know all the, the players' names. They know what they're good at. Oh, she's a striker. Oh, she's so good in the, you know, in the midline. I don't know the positions. Uh, I'm not going to try to lie and fake my way through it. But I, I, my parents, they don't miss a match. Something else. Yeah, the practice squad, I'm going to pull up a list of who made it back on there. But I was listening to Andy Herman the other night, who I got to get back on the show. It's been a while. The practice squad is supposed to be developmental. So it wouldn't make sense for the Packers to hold on to some of these roster bubble guys like Ennis Gaines, Mike Clemens guy. Uh, what do they call him? Thump or, or hit or crash or something like that. He's known for hitting. It wouldn't make sense for the Packers to hold on to those guys. Lottery tickets. That's what we're looking for. Lottery tickets. Developmental players. That's what the practice squad is for. Uh, I listened to Andy Herman talk about that the other night, and I thought and then he made some some good points. 608-321-1670. Keep the calls coming. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Lawyer Dean, how we doing? Lawyer Dean, oh, you're it's such a privilege when you call in, Dean. What's new? What's going on? You mentioned suits, so I just had to try. That a boy. Uh, my comp for Tony Larusa. We are in the present iteration of it. It's not yet played out. I believe Sean Payton will uh, end up being the same sort of uh, result. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a bitter Vikings fan from 2009 with the Brett Favre dirty plays that got him suspended for an entire year. I think uh, he's already hedging his bets, trying to say that Nathaniel Hackett had the worst operated team in the history of the league. <laughs> don't yeah. blame him when he just totally tanks it. I think they're relying on his sort of um, persona as to what they're going to get plugged in to try to right the ship in Denver. That's not going to do it. And um, they're just going to show up as being sort of the same team they were last year, I think. So, 
That, that's that's I think ten years from now they'll be saying I'm still sick of hearing about how bad that was with Sean Payton. Do you Hopefully think that'll destroy it? Do you think there would have been a better hire? Because here's the thing: the White Sox. I mean. Like, hire anyone else. They had a young, exciting team. Like, I feel like they could have hired anyone at manager and it would have gone better. I'm not so sure about the Broncos. Like, were they supposed to go with another first-time head coach or a coordinator? I, I felt like they had to go with the adult-in-the-room type hire, and, and maybe Sean Payton was really the only candidate like that. I agree with you that well, it could go south, but I, I still don't know that that makes this the wrong hire. I, I just want to say, too, I, I, I think that he did – Larusa did have sort of a broadcasting career before he got hired back, and he hasn't <laughs> broadcasted since. So hopefully that's yeah. the full result. I, I think that I think they need to realize this Russell Wilson experience. They way way overpaid for him, number one, and he's not the player they thought he was. Correct. So I'm not sure. You know, this isn't a White Sox show. This isn't a Broncos show. I think they're going to be way down. But you know. We're not going to hear it if, if it's you know it's not going to impact us if that's what happens. So, I, I think that uh, Sean Payton could uh, use a little bit of reality check in terms of what he's all about. So. Do you think there's a chance that Russell Wilson gets benched at any point this year? Because I I heard that earlier this week a couple of times. People were spitting that take around on TV and on the radio. Uh, I, I wouldn't feel too bad for him if Same. he did. <laughs> Same. But, uh, you know, they've, they've invested so much in him. They've, they've got to kind of let it play out at this point because they know that they're going to totally um, tank the division. There's other good teams within the division, and um, that might be the best course of action for them to pick first in the next couple of years. Oh, hey, they traded away all those picks. Yeah, they did. That's going to be a tough time. I love watching Russell Wilson uh struggle i had a great time last year so i'm hoping i get some more of that this year appreciate you dean lawyer dean yeah yeah. Yeah, have a good night appreciate you this isn't a suits show either necessarily but uh that doesn't mean we can't talk about suits we can talk about the broncos we can talk about the white Sox. i just thought that quote was so funny i'm so sick and tired of reading about uh what a mistake it was to hire tony la russa well then my friend maybe you shouldn't have hired tony la russa dui merchant tony la Tony LaRusso. So dumb. So, so dumb. Oh, we have this young, exciting, up-and-coming team. Who should we hire to manage them? Oh, what about the corpse of Tony LaRusso? When can we get him in for an interview? Uh, well, not till next week. Oh, he's got a hearing for his sixth DUI. Okay, put it on next week's schedule then. God. Just so dumb. One more caller on hold. Let's get to him. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Ridge Runner, Mark, how are we doing? Ridge Runner, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Not too shabby. Oh, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you touched on this yesterday when we were, everyone was blown up about Jonathan Taylor, but re- removing all the salary cap and who would the Colts, who would we give up, and all that jazz. I am excited for the just the the fantasy of the idea if we did get him, and you had Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and Jonathan Taylor. Think about what Matt LaFleur likes to do. He likes to run, have show the defense the same look, but run multiple things out of that. And just imagine if you know he would come up with a play where he has all three of them on the field at the same time. Just imagine the nightmare that would be for defense. And I was just thinking of that, and that was kind of the cool, cool I thought of, of getting someone like Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. So when they here's the thing when they drafted AJ Dillon, they had a backfield of yeah. Williams, Jones, and Dillon, and I thought, oh, this is this is going to be great. They're going to be able to do so many different creative things, and 
And they just never really did. And maybe that's because it didn't fit the way that Aaron Rodgers wanted to play. And, and he was the veteran and, and they were kind of melding their offenses together. Um, I, I just thought they had a lot more opportunity to do cool things in 2020 when they had three running backs. And they never really did. No, no, and that's and you, you kind of have to play to the strengths of your best player, and even then, and, and even last year, Rodgers was still the best player on the team. And could he could he have molded his game more to what Lafleur was doing? Maybe yes, but either whether it's his ego or whatever didn't allow it, or Lafleur allowed him to take over more, we'll never know. But yeah, that's I'm interested to see what the running game looks like whether they bring in Taylor or not, because I think the running game is going to be a lot different overall. Um, simple because you don't have that focus of we got to make sure we make use of Rodgers and his talent. Yeah. Now it's, we got to make sure we, ha- we make use of everyone's talent because they're all kind of on a level playing field. I do think they're going to run a lot more offense from under center this year, and I think it's going to help A.J. Dillon a lot. So that's going to raise my expectation and raise my hopes for him just a little bit. Uh, and I know we all kind of have this thought that Rodgers didn't like being under center in general, but I'm wondering if that was skewed last year because his thumb was screwed up and it pro- might have been more painful for him. And that might have been part of why we, yeah. we, that's the last thing we remember is Rodgers hated being under center. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's more of what he wanted throughout his career, that he wanted to be in uh, shotgun rather than under center, but I wonder if the, the injured thumb injury played more into that last year. That's an interesting take, and I, I don't know if a, if a shotgun snap or if, you know, Aaron Rodgers right with his mitts up under the center's behind. Like, I don't know if that puts extra contact on the hand. I, I don't know. Maybe I should go out in the backyard with the football tonight and, and try it uh, and, and see if it feels any different. I'll, I guess I need someone to snap the ball to me. Maybe I'll go, I'll knock on my neighbor's door. It's like, hey, can you help me with uh, with an experiment? Let's go outside. I just need you to <laughs> need you to bend over. For a second. I don't know. And I, I do know for sure, though, that Aaron Rodgers didn't like turning his back to the defense. Right. He did like to keep everything in front of him. And I and I get that. Like, I 100 percent get it, because if you're rolling to your right on a bootleg and, and you turn downfield for the first time, and there's a 300 pound edge rusher right in your face. That's that's not ideal. So I get it. But that's something that through things that I've read and heard and, and seen to practice, you know, Jordan Love had to work really hard at, at making it natural to line up on her center. That's a specific you know, footwork and specific everything that he didn't really do in college. He's been working at that. And I think lining up more under center, especially in certain downs and distances, that's going to be advantageous for AJ Dillon. So I'm excited to see what he does with that. I agree. I mean, cause honestly, if you can only do from shotgun or only do under center, that limits what the offense yes. can do. And it certainly limits what LeFleur wants to do, which is a little bit of everything. I think. Well, yeah. And I think that's a little bit of an indictment on the Packers because like if you, if you knew that your quarterback hated running plays from under center and you knew that that he wasn't going to line up under center and, and run plays a certain way, well, then maybe A.J. Dillon wasn't the right draft pick. You know what I mean? Like maybe you yeah. shouldn't have taken the, the sledgehammer yeah. fullback then. But, you know, who knows what the Packers knew at that time or, or what they expected to be the case with Rodgers and, and Lafleur going forward. So, no, yeah. good points, Ridge Runner Mark. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Have an yeah, awesome well, night. Yeah, you too. Take care. Yeah, take care. I mean to cut you off there. Sorry about that, Mark. Yeah, I I got to remind myself of that because I, I've been a little uh, underwhelmed with AJ Dillon the last two years. I, I think the hype and and our idea of him maybe exceeds reality a little bit. Like, oh, well, he's the bruiser. Yeah, but 
If you're bruising for two yards at a pop, like, okay, I don't know what good that does the Packers. That's not good, efficient offense. But if they're lining up from under center and A.J. Dillon can get a running start and, and, it, and it benefits him more to play that style of football, then maybe we can have some higher higher hopes, higher expectations for this year. We I want to continue to talk about this. Reportedly, according to Josina Anderson, the Packers and Dolphins both willing to make Jonathan Taylor among the highest paid running backs in the league. Let's talk more about that next. It's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. We got Temple and Heilprin coming up in just a little bit. Monks in Sun Prairie talking Badgers. Graham Mertz plays football tonight on your TV. You can watch Minnesota, Nebraska tonight. Real live college football games. It's a good thing, too, because Brewers aren't playing. Although the Brewers did just announce that they have signed. <laughs> they have signed Josh Donaldson to a minor league contract. He will report to class AAA Nashville. <laughs> I love it because this report came out earlier. It's like, hey, the Brewers have interest in Josh Donaldson. And all of Brewers Twitter was like, no, no, I don't. I don't want it. No. And they did it because, of course. So that (laughs) made me laugh. I don't know much to add other than he's been awful this year uh, and very inept offensively. So he'll fit right in with all of their other options at third base between Andrew Monasterio, who's cooled down in the month of August. Shocker. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Uh, and Brian Anderson, who's mostly been a disappointment this year. Well, to be fair, he's also been injured. So he's been a disappointment and injured. Uh, and Luis Urias. Well, he's hitting grand slams for the Red Sox now. So I guess Josh Donaldson, next guy up report from Josina Anderson. Another interesting layer to this Jonathan Taylor story. The Packers and the Dolphins both were willing to make him among the highest paid running back in the league. That doesn't mean they were willing to reset the market or make him the highest paid, but they were willing, it sounds like, to do what Indianapolis is not willing to do, I assume. I I don't think Indy wants to give Jonathan Taylor anywhere close to Alvin Kamara money or Christian McCaffrey money. For, For reference, and I looked this up over the break, Alvin Kamara, $75 million contract, $15 million per year. Christian McCaffrey, $64 million contract, $16 million per year. And those numbers, look, if you did a deep dive into both of those contracts, you know, the, the five-year deal is probably really a three-year deal with guarantees here and there. I, I understand. But for the purposes of this conversation, Alvin Kamara, $75 million, $15 per. Christian McCaffrey, $64 million, $16 per. That means that if Jonathan Taylor is going to be in in the ballpark, he's going to have to have four or five years and somewhere from, you know, 14, 15, 16 million a year. Um, It's just interesting. I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. You're not going to be paying your wide receivers for a while. Uh, You're not going to be paying your tight ends for a while. They already extended Elton Jenkins. Do need to extend Rashawn Gary, but the Packers are going to have more cap space than they know what to do with starting next year. He's a good football player. Like, I don't know. I'm not completely ready to surrender to the idea that running backs can and should never be paid. I'm not willing to surrender to the idea that 
that the book is 100% out, that this position, that position, this position, you never draft them, you never pay them, ever, ever, ever. I, I don't know. There's different ways to build a football team. There's different ways to, to balance the salary cap. There, there's different ways to handle all of these positions. So I, I am not offended at the idea that Brian Gutekunst at least considered, all right, if we trade for him, you know, we'd be willing to pay him around this much. So let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. I'm not offended by that. I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I think it makes for good conversation. But I see a lot of Packers fans on Twitter. What the hell? Can't pay a running back that much money. See a lot of sharp football people. Why are the Packers looking to invest big money in a running back? I don't know. He's a good player. He's in on every conversation. I like Jonathan Taylor. He looks sick in a Packers jersey, don't you think? Maybe that's my Badgers fandom coming out a little bit. I don't know. I think football, I think sports get a lot more boring when you put definitive rules on players and numbers and contracts. It's like, well, you can't pay that play. He plays this position. You can't give him that much money. He he only does this and that. It's like, hey, can we approach this on a case-to-case basis? I don't know. I don't know. I don't like being so definitive about things. I understand that for the most part, paying running backs is probably not a good investment, but how much money does the team have? Is there money that's going to be going anywhere else? Right? What's their quarterback situation? There's all these different factors. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hello, hello. I hear you. How are you? Good. How how are you? Okay, good. Hey. Good. What about throwing a four-year $52 million? Hold on, you're uh, you're cutting out a little bit. Can you start over? I'd be leery because you know he he had like 900 carries at Wisconsin, uh-huh. and then the two years he had at Indianapolis, he had another 500. So he's he's had a lot of wear and tear in his 24 year old body. But you know, who, who's not going to say he's going to be the next Emmitt Smith? Uh-huh. You know, and stay healthy. I don't um, know. If you get them, who are you trading? Are you going to let go of A.J. Jones or Dylan? Or I don't. I think you'd have to put Jones on the block. Um, I mean, that, so that, I, would, that would tick that would tick a lot of fans off. But I love I love J.T. Man, he if we get a, if Gutekunst got a, gets a chance to do it, he should. I mean, you still you know Jordan Love, you know, you got him under contract for two more years, but then. He plays well, and you're going to have to pay big money for him to keep him around. And then, you know, what uh, Watkins and the other two wide receivers, they probably don't come due for like two or three more years. So, you I got mean, some time. You should, be, you should be okay. But you're going to have to pay Rashad or Gary some money too, aren't you? We uh, Well, at some point, yeah, but the way those contract extensions work is the player gets a bunch of money up front with a signing bonus, and, you know, the Packers, they front load a lot of the money. Uh, and then the the number doesn't necessarily get that much higher. Like, Rashawn Gary's going to get a lot of cash his way, but signing Rashawn right. Gary to a new deal is not going to crush the salary cap right away in year one. So the Packers are going to have a ton of cap space next year, and I, I could be convinced uh, some backfield combination that includes Jonathan Taylor on a new deal. I could be convinced. I, I'm curious. I'm listening, you know? Why don't you, why don't you give him an $18 or $20 million signing contract? Is, uh, his uh, yearly average isn't that you know big, but it's still... You know, a good chunk of money up front for him. And you know, what what do you got to give the Colts for a draft pick, though? I mean, can you get I him don't for a know. third rounder? Yeah, well, third, third, fourth rounder. I'm intrigued. The thing is, Jonathan Taylor's not being offered anything in in Indianapolis. They don't even li- they don't even like him. The, the relationship is soured between the owner and the GM. 
And if Brian Gutekunst rescues Jonathan Taylor, we we value you. We want you. Could you do fifteen million per year for the next two years, and then in year three, you know, we'll have an option? Like I, I don't know. I I don't think Jonathan Taylor wants the world here. I don't think he wants seven years, ninety million. I, I think he wants a fair, reasonable right. deal, and he's so pissed because the Colts aren't willing to listen to him or, or even consider what's what he believes to be fair and reasonable. You know. Maybe Taylor should get rid of his agent and hire somebody else. Well, there is I mean, that. I mean, I don't know. have him on the Packers for sure. Yeah, um, I feel you. But, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, nothing you can do. It's all, it's, uh, I'm excited for the season, going to the game, uh, Badger game on Saturday. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I really, I really think the Packers, I, I, I'm saying 10 and 7. Ten and seven could win the division. I think ten and seven might win the division this year. I think ten and seven, eleven and six wins it, and six yeah. and eleven or or five and and twelve loses it. I don't think there's that much separation. The worst team will not be that bad, and the best team will not be that good. Well, you know the Lions. Lions are going to put up the points. Mm-hmm. It just all depends how good their defense is going to be. So I think that team scares me the most. Um, I mean, Minnesota is going to probably have pretty solid offense, but I don't uh, have that great a defense, so we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll see. Flip a coin, any, anything can happen in the world of football. You're right. Hey, any given Sunday, that's what they say, you know? You bet. <laughs> have a good one. Appreciate the call. Yeah, have a good one. <laughs> what is that? We, I recognize that voice. Who was that? Why can't I place who that was? I appreciate the call. Yeah, I'm willing to listen to Jonathan Taylor calls and offers and contracts i don't know who else are the packers gonna get you know what i mean who else are they gonna go spend all their salary cap money on next year i'm not suggesting they light it on fire on a running back just for the sake of spending it but i think the packers uh, next year i would like a uh, an experienced safety to come in and, and assumedly play alongside whoever they draft this upcoming year uh maybe a corner if you can find one like a nice veteran corner other than that like the Packers don't have any dire needs. They don't need to go out in free agency next year and have a massive spending spree to address a, a gaping hole at one position other than the back end of the secondary. And luckily, safety is not a player or a position that commands a lot of money. So they can, I bet, get a pretty good option for safety next year without blowing all their money. I, I don't know. Jonathan Taylor on the Packers, that'd be a blast. It'd be fun. And, and as far as, you know, Aaron Jones, I see all these people saying, well, what does Aaron Jones think about all this? Aaron Jones is old. The Packers going to cut Aaron Jones to save money a couple of times, and they've worked with him. It's very clear they want to keep him around. I, I'm i Aaron Jones. Look, dude, feel secure in your situation. I always wanted to be a backfield by committee, even with Jonathan Taylor. Like, I don't want him toting the rock 25 times a game. Also, that's how you extend a player's career. That's how you keep him healthy and fresh. And so the, the approach that the Packers would take with Jonathan Taylor would be way different than the approach the Colts have been taking with him, which is let him be there, their everything, their entire offense. It's the Derrick Henry approach. It's probably what the Falcons are going to do with B. John Robinson this year. I think that'll work. But the Falcons don't have, you know, a ton of talent. They have a, a middling quarterback, we assume, in Desmond Ritter. It, it's a viable strategy to get the young electric running back and let him, let him be the, the, the driving force of your offense. 95%, 90% of, of NFL teams... That's not the way you want to go about it. You want to run back by committee. So that's what I tell Aaron Jones. It's like, hey, dude, we love having you here, but you're never going to be the only guy. That's never been your situation here, and you've remained 
healthier, more productive, and we've continued to pay you money. Right? So if Aaron Jones wants to get offended because the Packers want to pay Jonathan Taylor, uh, I would recommend that he doesn't because it's not personal. It's about making the team better, making your running back room better. Let's take one more call, then we'll take a break. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Hi, Grant. This is Clem Head Mike again. Clem Head with the follow-up. No, 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 no. You're following your shot. I'm sorry to call twice in the same show. I just got to get this off my chest. No, you're good. No, when when lawyer Dean called, my blood began to boil. Not because I disagreed with him, but because I did agree with him 100%. He brought up that bounty gate game and Sean Payton. I thought, oh, God, what they did to, you know, I hate the Vikings. And I didn't like Brett Favre very much when he went to Minnesota. But what they did to that poor man in that game they were hitting him so late and so hard and so illegally, and the referees turned a blind eye to it. I thought there had to be some kind of collusion there. I thought, God, if Sean Payton could just walk in front of a bus, <laughs> get hurt, I don't want him to die. You know, I want him to be able to walk again in another five or six months. Oh, my God. Seriously, that's what they were trying to do to Favre, right? Yeah. It would be it, justice. I, I thought, oh, God, that, like I said, I, I, I hate the Vikings, and I don't like Favre, but what they did to that guy it was – it was unbelievable. It was gross. And uh, I, I can't believe he got away with it. Well, he got suspended, so that was good. But um, they tried to blame him mostly on Greg Williams, defensive coordinator. But we knew who was behind it. Look Nothing at you. Gross. Reaching across hey, the no. aisle to connect with Vikings fans. Find some common ground here, Mike. I love this. Well, right is right, right? Amen. Yeah. yeah. And, justice. Uh, justice shall be served. Now, nah, karma's going to get him. And I hope the, I hope the Broncos this year and I always like used to like the Broncos you know when Elway was there and everything but um yeah that's all I had to say I just wanted to rant a little bit it just because it pissed me off so bad well, I'm glad you had an opportunity to get that off your chest that's important um I appreciate that I would also like to see the Broncos be miserable this year but that's mostly because I don't like Russell Wilson so you know, I never quite figured that out I always thought he was such a good guy he claims to be such a Christian righteous man I I know you don't like him <laughs> I always thought a few years ago when when uh, Rodgers started his baloney, I thought, man, if they could trade uh, Rodgers for Wilson, because at that time I said, if there's a two-minute drill, who would I want? I think I'd want Wilson over Rodgers, but uh, in, I don't know. Like in, in the case of uh, case of Peyton, I think Drew Brees carried him. I don't, you know, and I thought, yeah, Peyton, if you didn't have Drew Brees, you would have been nothing. But I thought I. Thought Russell Wilson carried the Seahawks, but now I found out I'm, I'm kind of on. Wasn't long. that, by the way, was that not an awesome plot twist for the NFL? Everyone was convinced for years that the Seahawks were holding Russell Wilson back. Like we thought of it as as, as a known. Yeah. There, there was no debate. Like Pete Carroll is the old man who's holding Russell Wilson back, and then they cut him loose, and all of a sudden Pete Carroll's living his best life with Geno Smith, and Russell Wilson looks like he forgot how to throw a, throw a football. What an incredible plot! Yeah. Like a Shutter Island level plot twist in the NFL. Outstanding. Yeah, it was, it was all Hackett's fault. Yeah, right. Yeah. Worst right. coaching job in the NFL. Okay, Russ. Yeah. Sure. Uh, thanks again, Peyton, for another one, you jerk. I want to punch him right in the throat. <laughs> you should. Go out to Denver. I'm a little piece of your mind. I got to take a break, Mike. I appreciate you. Nice thanks to hear from you again. Man. Yeah, of course. Mike in Chippewa Falls. Reaching across the aisle and finding common ground with uh, Broncos fans, Vikings fans alike. Brett Favre, he's our guy at the end of the day. Uh, you know, art from artist. We don't need to talk about what he's done off the field since then. One more call and then we'll take a break. I'm feeling like getting everyone in here today. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Hey, Grant. Hey, it's, uh, my name's Justin from French Island. Oh, so first time caller. 
Long-time listener. I always call, I always listen to your show. I love it. But you just were talking about the uh, uh, Sean Payton, and I just cannot stand him either. Like, he he is considered to be this genius, like this just guru, but he's he's basically Mike McCarthy. Like, yeah. if you look at the records, they're nearly identical. And and he's but he's got all this baggage that McCarthy doesn't with all the bounty gate stuff. And then like he, he loses he loses Drew Brees and then the next year he has to run away until now he has a chance to come back with a, another good quarterback. He was scared to compete with Jameis Winston. That's what I think it was. Well, yeah, and then his boy Taysom Hill never panned out. He was so excited <laughs> Taysom Hill's the next guy. This We've project. got our next franchise quarterback in in house already. No, you don't. And then when that all plays out where he doesn't, he just runs away. Yeah, I um, and, I, I don't know. Sean Payton, really good offense. He also had a very good quarterback. He had a lot of good receivers over the years. Played in a dome. Traditionally, a, a pretty soft division between the Falcons and the Bucks, who were awful for a long time, and the Panthers, who, other than Cam Newton, were pretty bad. Like, I'm with you. I don't know. It doesn't keep me up at night. Like, I think it keeps some people up at night. It's like, Mike McCarthy is, uh, is you know, it's unfair to well, him. I... I don't really care, but you're right. No, because he gets portrayed in the media as this bumbling, fat, old idiot. Yeah. And, like, like Sean Payton's this genius. They're well, he wears, he wears clear lens glasses. Sean Payton does. <laughs> or clear frames. Lenses are all... Lenses have to be clear. All lenses are clear. That's how glasses work. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to see them. The frames are clear. That's what I meant. Very hipster, very cool, and with it, Sean Payton is. Yeah, and then he just... This, this past offseason just throws... Uh, the Nathaniel Hackett under the bus and just all that stuff. So it's like, I hope they go two and 15 and it's just a disaster. I would enjoy that as well. Uh, Justin, I hope you're enjoying life out on French Island. I love the Island. Go over to Copeland park tonight. Gin blossoms and sugar Ray are playing. Go take in a concert. Yeah. I actually won tickets at a logger game a month ago. I won tickets to this concert and my wife was going to go. And now I go to get the tickets and I can't find it. I think the kids, did something with them and they're missing in action. Well, good luck <laughs> with that. You got a couple of hours, but enjoy the night either way. It was nice to meet you, Justin. Call back sometime. You bet. Thanks, Grant. Yep, you got it, Justin. Out on French Island, just across the river from Lacrosse. I love French Island. Oh, what I'd kill to be at Copeland Park tonight or at an ice cold beer at the Tiki Bar at Moxie's. Ooh. I'm going to drive to Bill's tonight. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go enjoy his Tiki Bar. Uh, Bill, I'm on my way right after the show. I'm going to. I'm craving a tiki bar. Five minutes and we're back on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, quote of the show so far, perhaps. Mike in Chippewa Falls, Clumhead Mike, saying, oh, I hate Sean Payton. I think it's disgusting what they did to Brett Favre. I hope Sean Payton gets hit by a bus. <laughs> I think it's just those two statements, one after another. God, that rules. Love you, Mike. A lot of good calls today, including uh, a first-time caller, Justin on French Island. I didn't know there was such a market for slandering Sean Payton. I would have tried to tap into this market sooner. I mean, I don't. Like, lose that much sleep thinking about him. I, I do think, as many Packers beat reporters have framed, I think of Pete Bukowski and Andy Herman. Well, Sean Payton's just Mike McCarthy with better PR. 
Well, I mean, literally he has better PR. He was on TV for a year. Mike McCarthy spent his year off, by all accounts, in a pole shed watching film and reading pro football focus stats. And Sean Payton went and worked at Fox. If you want to buoy your reputation, you go work at Fox. That's what John Lynch did. John Lynch, no, I did not watch football in the era of John Lynch. But I'm pretty sure, just looking at numbers, reading what other people have written, listening to what other people have said, pretty sure Leroy Butler is a better safety on a better team than than John Lynch, on a better defense than John Lynch. John Lynch cakewalked into the Hall of Fame. Leroy Butler had to scratch and claw. John Lynch, you know, he's had some misses as the general manager of the Niners. He's had some hits. They're very good at finding mid-round guys like Fred Werner. Mufunga's really good. Like, they've had hits. They also drafted Solomon Thomas in the top five. Trey Lance. You're going to have misses. I also think, like, the Niners are such a weird team. They either make the conference championship game or they have a top five pick. So I guess if you have multiple top picks, you have Nick Bosa, you have Solomon Thomas. You're going to hit some, you're going to miss some. There's just there's just such a long list of interesting picks and high leverage picks, and, and the, Trey Laid, uh, the Trey Lance trade is a big one as well. I, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think John Lynch is, is buoyed, and I think his, his reputation, his resume looks better because of his time on Fox. And I think Sean Payton, much of the same. I'm not looking to slander Sean Payton for anything that did or didn't happen in New Orleans. I know he won a Super Bowl, McCarthy won a Super Bowl, and then both failed to get back. I think both should have gotten back. Mike McCarthy should have won that NFC Championship game in 2014. And I think the Saints should have won that game in 2018, the pass interference that I'm sure Saints fans still think about. Well, the pass interference that wasn't pass interference, right? And then that got him to change the rule for a year, and then everyone's like, this is dumb. Let's go back to the way it was, and, you know, we never talked about it again. Both coaches got very close to getting to another Super Bowl. Sean Payton did go 7-9 and nine three years in a row. That never happened to Mike McCarthy, but I also think Mike McCarthy had the better quarterback. I think Aaron Rodgers is so much better than Drew Brees. So much better than Drew Brees. So Mike McCarthy had that feather in his cap. He, he had that boost that I think Sean Payton did not have. Drew Brees is a very good quarterback. And playing in a dome with some very good receivers over the year in a division that's historically not great. And to be fair to, to Mike McCarthy and the Packers, the NFC North has not been a historically great division. Oh, the Bears are good every once in a while. Well, the Falcons were good every once in a while. The Vikings are good every once in a while, or so were the Panthers, right? They had that, that little run with Cam Newton when he was at the peak of his powers. Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy, they're more similar than we'd like to admit, I think, sometimes. Uh, or, or that we'd like to say sometimes, or that people say sometimes. Mike McCarthy didn't do that whole bounty gate thing, so he he does have that going for him. Is he doesn't he did, he did not uh, pay players to hurt other players. Mike McCarthy does have that going for him. They both failed to develop another quarterback. Like Mike McCarthy had Brett Hundley in his quarterback school for years, didn't amount to anything. John Payton wanted to make Taysom Hill work, that didn't amount to anything. There's actually a lot of parallels between Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy. And I think that's that's uh, that's probably a, a, a good... Um, it, it would be smart of us to remind ourselves that Mike McCarthy's not as bad as we think and Sean Payton isn't as great as we think. Right? Both of those two players are a lot, uh, two coaches, a lot closer to sea level than we think. Like, Mike McCarthy didn't make a second Super Bowl, probably should have. Sean Payton didn't make a second Super Bowl, probably should have. Sean Payton went 7-9 and nine a couple times and had Bounty Gate. Mike McCarthy... You know, struggled with this and that. There's both strengths and weaknesses to both coaches. 
I think we would do well as football fans to remember that, you know, Mike McCarthy's probably a little bit better than of a football coach than his reputation would indicate nationally. And Sean Payton probably isn't as good of a football coach as most people think nationally. Now, if Sean Payton coaches the Broncos this year to 11 and 6, 12 and 5, and, and they're one of the, the top wild cards or, or they win the division from the Chiefs, okay, well, then the conversation changes. Also, you know, Mike McCarthy's coached some teams into the divisional round. Uh, oh, sorry, they lost to the Niners or they lost to the Eagles. Yeah, the Niners and the Eagles are really good teams. It's not like Mike McCarthy's been a total flop in Dallas. And I know a lot of people think Dak Prescott is just Kirk Cousins with better PR. Well, then Mike McCarthy gets credit for that because he's done pretty darn well with Dak Prescott or he's done well with Cooper Rush. He won games with Cooper Rush last year. So I don't, I don't know. When we compare Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy, I think the takeaway should be Sean Payton is not as great as everyone thinks he is and Mike McCarthy isn't as bad as everyone I think often likes to say. They're not so different, Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy. One final break, we'll come back. Wrap up the Wisco Sports Show in just a couple minutes, and we'll turn things over to Jesse Temple and Zach Heilprin. Temple and Heilprin, their maiden voyage, the 2023 Badgers season, just a couple days away. And if you can't wait until Saturday, remember Graham Mertz plays tonight. We also have Big Ten action, Minnesota and Nebraska football tonight as well. And with the Brewers off, couldn't be a better night for it. Looking forward to it. So we'll turn things over to Zach and Jesse in just a couple minutes. But first, we'll take one final break and wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Uh, Wisco Sports Show. Last couple of minutes. About to turn things over to Temple in Heilprin. They're live at Monks in Sun Prairie. I think I'm going to mosey on over there. Take in the live show, maybe get myself a nice cold brew, watch some college football. There is college football on tonight, Minnesota and Nebraska. Graham Mertz is also making his Florida debut. Uh, and I, I, I don't think I'm betraying his confidence when I share this on air. Ben Kenny texted me. Uh, the former host of Kenny and Heilprin, which is now transitioned to Temple and Heilprin. Ben Kenny texted me this. Says, more excited for this Graham Mertz game than I've been for anything in a long time. <laughs> because, of course. Uh, I'm probably not going to watch Graham Mertz tonight. And if he throws five touchdowns like he did in his Badgers debut, I'll just say, okay, I'll check in next week and see how the, see how the rest of the season goes. Because I remember, I remember that Thursday. It was Thursday night, right? Thursday or Friday night against, uh, against Illinois when he threw five touchdowns in an empty Camp Randall Stadium. That was bizarre. I'll never forget that. I had a jug of Carlo Rossi. I just bought it that day at Festival Foods. I, I just bought it before the game. I remember listening to the radio bar- broadcast on my drive home from Festival. I had a big jug of, of uh, delicious red. You know, Bill always talks about going to call their own club, get some red wine. That's not what I was doing. Uh, this red wine was awful. Uh, it was the, the swill that we drank in college. It was good enough for me and my roommates at the time. It was deep pandemic. Where were we going? What were we going to do? And I remember... Watching Graham Mertz throw for five touchdowns, and I thought, oh, my God, this is about to be the greatest Badger quarterback I've ever seen in my life. And I could not have been more wrong. That was uh, that was a miss. And normally my college football takes are so accurate. Normally I normally I don't miss on those. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what went wrong. I just can't believe this text. I haven't been this excited about something for a long time. Good for Ben. Let's all keep Ben in our thoughts tonight as he watches his Graham Mertz. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I can't wait for Temple and Heilprin 
finally some uh, programming. Because, well, here's the thing. I love sports talk radio, but most of the day I can't listen just to enjoy because I'm getting ready for the Bill Michaels show or I'm getting ready for my show. So when I listen to other sports talk shows during the day, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, what would I say about this? Should we talk about this on the show? But shows from 6 to 7 p.m., they're my favorite because I can leave work and just I can just relax. I can just listen for fun. I can just vibe. So I'm, I'm going to vibe. I'm going to vibe, listen to Temple and Hyoper and go over to Monk's if you're in the Madison area and you're stopping by. I'll see you over there. I'm going to get a beer, get a sandwich. Uh, we can talk some Badgers football and maybe watch some Graham Mertz. A little Minnesota, Nebraska, some good college football action tonight. Uh, tomorrow, nothing big playing on the Wisco Sports Show, although that will change between now and four. Uh, but I will shamelessly plug, uh, we're going to have Wayne Larrabee on the Bill Michaels Show tomorrow. And maybe I'll replay some of that on my show. Maybe. We'll see. If he says anything too juicy, I'll make sure you don't miss it. But Wayne Larrabee is going to be 1130 tomorrow on the Bill Michaels Show, so make sure you don't miss that. As far as the Wisco Sports Show goes, I don't need to tell you anything because we never miss Friday shows. Guests, no guests, doesn't matter if we know the topics. Never miss a Friday show. So I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4. Have an awesome night.